0: Hello, Insiders, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you, wherever you may be. This is your host, Bruce Ash, along with co-host... Eb Wilkinson. Broadcasting live from the modern KVOI broadcast complex in Tucson, Arizona, welcoming you to a special Do Little Raiders edition of Inside Track. Okay. Eb and I continue to introduce Republican candidates for you to get to know them after the rundown. GOP primary candidate for Arizona Secretary of State, Michelle Ugenti Rita, joins us. And after the bottom of the hour break, Judge Andrew Gold, GOP primary candidate for Attorney General, will close out the show. So, fast your seatbelts.
1: Thanks for tuning in this afternoon. We welcome your calls today on the Tucson Iron and Steel Retail Live Line at 790. Two zero four zero, and before we get going, let me remind you that Inside Track is brought to you by great sponsors. We've got Jamie and Gary Kipper from Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Their junk is your treasure. Call Jamie or Craig at 209-1576. Gary Kipper called Bruce this week to tell him the big honking planetary gears he was looking at had These finally really arrived cool, in man. the yard. These
0: are cool, man. These are really, really cool. I want to see those. They're from they're from the mining. Uh, you know, machines. You know, they go in and you know, chew up uh, stone and stuff. There were just, they expensive, or just? Well, they won't be for me because they're junk now. <laughs> Paying for it by the pound.
1: Perfect. I want to get a set for the house. Yeah, yeah. And they have loads of great junk at Tucson Iron and Steel Surplus for you. And also, Eric Rudin at Essential Pest Control, who shares your dislike of bugs, vermin, and weeds. Call the Essential Team at eight eight six three zero two nine. Bruce just called Eric earlier this week to see how Essential could help him get rid of the varmints. that were eating his... Pitosporum. Pitosporum. I actually had to look that up to see what that was.
0: Mock orange.
1: Yeah, they handle it all at Essential Pest Control. And, of course, Joy and Allie at Corazon Cabinets, high-quality cabinets for your home, you'll love at a price you can afford. Call Corazon Cabinets at 488-2266 to find out how easy it is to work with that team. And to that point...
0: If yep. all goes well within 6 months I'm ordering more cabinets. You demand. You demand. You don't even have to save up for it. I mean you could do it on a, on the uh, on a budget uh, uh they, you know real low budget deal too. They I am shocked at how affordable those cabinets They're are. They're too affordable. Believe it, it, me. They raise are. the price. Okay. Not yet, Joy. Also supporting Inside Track is my friend the aforementioned Mr. Wilkinson uh from Imus Wealth Management. I Must did it. Let Ebb help you never have to depend on Social Security again. Call him at 777-1911. All of our sponsors are locally owned, family-run businesses you can depend upon. Ebb and I do. So should
1: you. We have a little different news rundown for you this afternoon. Some would say more of a news flash, not from the Ukraine, Washington, D.C., or Beijing, China, but from Tokyo. It's a bit late, but it's also still timely today, as it was. A boost for America 80 years ago, Bob Green, writing for the Wall Street Journal, wrote, a young man was reading a book in the sun near a pool in Collier County, Florida. He appeared to be in his 30s. I hesitated before approaching him, fearing it would be an intrusion. I'm sorry to bother you, I said, but I knew some men in that book. They're all gone now, but they would be honored to know that you're reading about them. The book was a paperback copy, 30 Seconds Over Tokyo, written in 1943, about Doolittle's raiders who, in 1942, carried out one of the most heart-stirring military operations of World War II. There was a time when almost every American knew their heroism. Hollywood made a movie about the raid starring Spencer Tracy as Lieutenant Colonel James Doolittle, but that was a long time ago. Doolittle's raiders? The words are likely to draw a blank among many people today. The name's Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian. Kanye West. (laughs) And the real housewives, yes, but 80 years ago, the Doolittle Raiders, it often seems they're lost to history. You really knew them, the man asked? I said that I had at least the men who survived in the 1990s when I had been invited to one of their reunions to help with the ceremony. I asked how he happened to be reading the book. He said my dad was in the service and I always wanted to. I've always been interested in valor. When things were at their darkest for the U.S. after Japanese had bombed Pearl Harbor, the Doolittle Raiders gave the nation hope. Sixteen B-25s, each with their five-man crew, were lined up on a carrier, the USS Hornet. Launching heavy bombers off a carrier had never been done. The Japanese had discovered the carrier USS Hornet at sea on the way to Japan. The B-25s had to take off further out from the Pacific than they had planned. Their mission was to hit Tokyo, but now they would lack enough fuel to reach safety beyond Japan's borders. They went away knowing their fate uh, was likely. They bombed Tokyo. They tried to make a run to China. Four planes crashed. Eleven crew had to bail out, and three of the raiders died. Eight were captured. Three were executed. One aviator died of starvation in a prison camp but the signal had been sent to americans back home nothing will stop us from winning this war the mention of the raiders brought tears of pride to their fellow citizens this past week on april eighteenth was the eightieth anniversary of the raid the children and grandchildren of the eighty aviators sometimes worried that the world had forgotten about the bravery of the raiders i thanked the man for reading the book and said that because of him i was going to call the son of one of the raiders which i did my f- friend Gary Griffin's father, Tom, was the navigator of plane number nine. After hitting Tokyo, he bailed out over a China forest, fell ill with malaria, and almost died. When he recovered, he flew more missions in Europe and was shot down again, this time by German gunfire, and spent almost two years in Stalag. He then came home and quietly raised a family. He died in 2013 at 96. There was nothing they could be asked to do for their country that they wouldn't do, Gary said, that is those men were
0: america has always had heroes scrappers hard fighters patriots who stood out in a crowd of lessers these are the americans who stood up for us during the dark times in america's history america has been down several times over the years starting in the revolutionary war when it looked like the revolutionaries were licked at bull run in the civil war the great depression and certainly since nine eleven We face some dark times today. The bear is rising in the east, China is threatening in the Pacific, and we have plenty of serious issues at home here, created by feckless leadership and malevolent intentions. But if America still has plenty of patriots, some in uniform, some in politics or in the classroom, but mostly with the millions of people like you, our listeners, who believe, as Ronald Reagan famously declared, Perhaps there is a simple answer, not an easy answer, but simple. Do we have the courage to tell our elected officials that we want our national policy based on what we know in our hearts is morally right? Do you and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is no price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is the meeting of peace through strength you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. These words spoken by private citizen Ronald Reagan are just as important today as they were nearly 60 years ago. Just as the 20th century was the American century, so will the 21st century, but not if we don't speak as one nation and stand up to elites and leftists posing as progressives and make America great again. Mr. Producer, Let's go ahead and take our first break so we can hear some messages from our great supporters. You're listening to Inside Track. Stay tuned. We'll be back with Republican primary candidate for Arizona Secretary of State, Michelle Ugenti-Rita. Jamie Kipper and her father, Gary Kipper, from Tucson Iron and Metal. What are they going to see when they come through the gates?
2: So when they come on in, they'll see our building up front. People have free reign to then go out and look in the yard. So it's not a typical scrapyard with a ton of big machinery. We have a couple of forklifts around, but that's about it just to help move material. So when you come in, it's all organized by material, whether it's square tubing, angle iron, roofing, and then there is a pile in the back, which is still organized and easy to get through, but that's stuff that comes over from the scrap. So we're unique in that we get stuff in from the scrap, which a lot of artists and people will like or reuse, whether it's a sink that someone needs for their house, We sell literally anything made of metal.
0: Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday.
3: Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science.
0: You mean you don't use a shoe?
3: No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets.
2: Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com.
1: This is Eb Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. Are you letting rising inflation interfere with your ammo budget? Don't do that. Let us show you how to buy the same goods and services 20 years from now as you can today. We manage money for gun owners, and we can guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911 or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. Bruce is here. I'm here. We welcome your calls and comments on the Essential Pest Control Live Line at 790-2040. Our show is always better with calls from you. And our guest for the next several minutes is LD23 legislator and Republican candidate for Secretary of State, Michelle Eugenti rita Michelle, I hope I got that right. Welcome to Inside Track.
4: Perfect. Thank you for having
1: me. Great. Hey, we're going to start off the question we ask of all our candidate guests on their first appearance with us here on Inside Track. Under the Arizona Constitution, what is the stated purpose of government?
4: Protect individual liberty.
1: Ding, 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 ding. People are finally getting this, Bruce. Michelle, thank you for knowing that. That is great. A little background on Michelle, who's currently a member of the Arizona State Senate, representing District 23... She previously served in the Arizona House of Representatives from 2013 to 2019. Our guest also served consecutively from 2011 until January 14, 2013 in the District 8 seat. Right. Michelle. uh, That's right. Yeah. Earlier in today's show, Bruce talked about Ronald Reagan's Time for Choosing speech from the 1964 presidential campaign. You're probably only a twinkle in your father's eye and probably your grandfather's (laughs) eye, but... But uh, when Goldwater ran in 1964, and you were born about five months after Ronald Reagan was sworn in as the 40th president of the United States, when you think about Goldwater, what do you think about his declaration, "Extremism in defense of liberty is no vice, and moderation in the pursuit is of, no of justice. Of justice in the pursuit is no virtue." And what does that mean if you're elected to the next Secretary of State?
4: Well, it really, we getting elected to the next Secretary of State and having the level of attention and focus on this office, which about darn time, um, is, is, is something that really puts in focus what it means to be a free people, living in a free society. We say those terms a lot, but what does it really look like? I, I would, in my opinion, what it looks like is having fair, free elections. That's That's... The crux of what our democracy is, or our representative republic, is our ability to be governed by ourselves and elect those in a transparent process that represent us at the municipal, state, and, of course, federal level. And right now, that's in jeopardy.
1: Well, let's go back to the uh, Wayback Machine and talk about that. the election of November 2020, many Arizonans are still shaking their head, wondering, what the hell happened? What would you do to prevent another election where the results were to be believed uh, are in doubt?
4: Mm -hmm. I love this question because there are things that you can do, and we never want a repeat of 2020. Frankly, we don't even want a repeat of elections prior to that. There have been problems in our elections for many, many years. It's not just been a a one-election cycle issue. So I think that's an important point to stress, but a couple different places – to go here. Uh, compliance and look, this last election, 2020, was run, administered under Democrats. We had a, We have a Democrat Secretary of State and for Maricopa County, which is the largest county in uh, Arizona, one of the largest counties in the United States, it was run under Adrian Fontes. So the first order of business is get them out of office. I, I think you had a huge issue with adhering to the law enforcing the law and enforcing compliance to the law. And that is because you have administrators those responsible for running elections that aren't doing their job. Uh, I think secondly there are still things in statute you can do. Of course that's a legislative role but the Secretary of State can influence and be a part of that. Um, And then thirdly you're going to need to make sure that you are not entering into dissent decrees and doing things at the at the statewide level in your capacity as secretary of state that weakens our ability to enforce the law so there are definitely significant meaningful things that you can do right now that will prevent a 2020 from ever happening again oh and let me mention and making sure that you are on a day-to-day basis pushing back against the counties or at least in their operations at a, at a at a very very deep level because remember those are the ones responsible for running our elections and they need to be held accountable and they need to know someone's watching
1: and i got to tell you tongue in cheek why would why would they not want free and fair elections why would they not want everybody to possess, possess a valid id <clears throat> To show that they're a US citizen and they can vote?
4: You know, it's a. I don't know why they wouldn't want it. Would I. I don't think they. They either don't believe these vulnerabilities exist and that in and of itself is scary and problematic, um, or they functionally don't care about the end product, which is an election that people believe in. and um,
1: Or they functionally do have, care about the end product, which
0: is not... But they
4: want to manipulate e-
1: exactly, it. Exactly,
4: exactly.
0: Yeah, Michelle, Bruce Ash here. Thanks for coming on the show, uh, and thanks for your patience with us uh, getting on the show. It took, it took us a little while to, to fit you in, no but problem. we're glad you're here. Um, you have stated in a recent announcement that quote, elections are only as good as the people running them. So Correct. we were just talking about the different county recorders, um, elaborate a little bit more what you mean by that, because all of them run their election a little differently than the other, don't they?
4: They do, and that has been a large issue, one that I have been focused on for the last ten years down at the legislature, because you have elections looking ever so slightly different depending on your on your county. So you have different emphasis on what laws should should they should focus on that they are complying to or adhering to or enforcing and then some that don't get the same level of attention when you net all of that out the end result is depending on where you live you have a different experience in my opinion that is completely wrong you every voter needs to have the exact same experience what that does is help reinforce to the voter that there's people know what they're doing that there's not ambiguity and things aren't up for discussion it's the law isn't up for interpretation And if it is, or, you know, if if you feel like if it's weak, then it needs to be fixed legislatively, but it should not be up for a debate about how I think I, you know, how I'm interpreting it. But we have that at the, at the, at the county level. And I've also seen, let me circle back to compliance. So when I banned ballot harvesting in 2016, that in and of itself was a significant feat. And the legislature did that. Yeah, it was a big deal. And, you know, recently upheld in the United States Supreme Court. But it's a twofold thing. So banning it was huge, right? But I have had a very difficult time getting counties to try to enforce it. Yeah,
0: they're still still not enforcing the law.
4: Right. So we have the law. It's a great law. It's actually very clean. It's just, it's a straight ban with very few exceptions. Uh, which is important, you know, your family member can still turn in your ballot, but they're, they're very, very, very limited. For all intents and purposes, it's bad, right? So it's right. real simple right. um, to interpret. I mean, it's not even, you don't even need to interpret, it's bad. But you've got counties so reluctant to enforce it. They'll tell you, oh, we don't have the staff, or we. it's not our job to track it. You have a secretary, Katie Hobbs, who won't even include instructions in the election procedures manual on how to enforce it that is how you at the end of the day manipulate elections and alter the outcome when you refuse to do your job when you would refuse to do the the to administer the law and enforce the law that that has an effect on what the outcome is and that is what is very problematic and can be fixed by getting people who are responsible for administering and running elections in place that will adhere to the law.
0: Our Pima County recorder, Kazaris Kelly, uh, who was elected Mm. with zero prior experience in elections, and in fact very little (laughs) discernible skills at all, except being Raul Grijalva's hand-picked candidate, uh, has announced she wants to run an all electronic digital election in Pima County, and she wants to do so with absolutely no backup systems. What, I mean, is that like the biggest crap idea no. that you could possibly well, imagine? How could it possibly oh, go be, wrong?
4: Uh, ah, yeah, right, what could possibly, what could happen? Um, that, I, you, she doesn't have the authority to do that. That office does not have the authority to do that, but it, it, it certainly is alarming. Uh, that that she would want to, to indicate that um, she's willing to proceed in that way one um, do something that clearly that office has no authority doing and two um, has not been vetted there's a lot of security problems and nobody's asking for it that's the other thing I mean I've been all over the state nobody's asking for online voting no one it's not secure. we have a system in place. Why don't we operate within the system we have? It's worked just fine. Um,
0: when the person currently sitting in the Secretary of State's position was campaigning for her seat in 2018, she was running as she was running for Secretary of State, she said it was to help and you know this you've you've seen it on video, mm-hmm. just like me. She ran to help elect more Democrats. We all know. Uh, you're not running against Hobbs. She's running for governor, which is scary in itself. But tell right. listeners why you are running for secretary of state and what you will do to make elections fair and transparent, specific uh, 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 things that you will do.
4: Right. So my slogan is the voice of the voter for just that reason that we all are in a better place, and we all do better when we have a system that doesn't benefit one group or one party to the detriment of another, but benefits everybody. So it has to treat everybody the same. And there are some ways that you can do that from the Secretary of State's office, actually some very important, meaningful ways. I can't stress enough the importance of that election procedures manual. This is like this is the rule book this is what every single county relies on when they look to see how they're supposed to run an election and it's supposed to complement statute. But what you have found is Katie Hobbs, and I don't know if your audience or you're familiar with this right now, we don't have a, a updated election right. procedures manual right. because the one that Hobbs right introduced the AG's office and the governor's office has rejected because what has happened is this has been used as a mechanism To put your your you know to do an end run around the legislature and have your wish list of of election changes, right? Um, And 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 frankly, create law. Your job is not to create law, and that's an administrative right. Your job is to follow the law. And if you so one, you need to get back to the statutory scope and purpose of that election procedures manual. Probably need to codify. Legislatively, a lot of the provisions in there, um, and you need to bring it in line with the law. Right now, it has it has ballooned outside of that. Um, two, you need to really hold these counties responsible. You need to be interacting with them on a daily basis, not once every two years, a couple months before an election, because there's. While the goal is simple, you know, count only, only let people who are eligible register and count legally casted votes. Getting there is complex. There's a tendency to oversimplify the process. It's very complex. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of players. And you have to be engaged at at a high level daily if you want to make sure the end product, which is, you know, the election on election day is something that people believe in. And right now it doesn't. And we've seen how detrimental that is to our Republic. So I think you need a secretary of state. And this is what I, I bring someone who's experienced has an attention to detail, who knows what they're doing, who's been a part of many of these fights with the counties and has been successful. The only one who's championed um, successfully, Uh, changes to our laws, whether that's been to increase voter ID, um, to make sure we're not mailing out thousands of ballots to people who aren't mailing them back. That's a vulnerability. We need someone who can get to work on day one, because I'll tell you, as much as I like to think uh, the 2022 election is the biggest one, um, in my opinion, it's 2024. That's the next presidential election.
1: Michelle, let me ask you this. How has your experience as a legislator prepped you Mm-hmm. to be a sec- be the Secretary of State?
4: Oh, well, I can tell you I'm very
3: familiar
4: with the opposition, whether that be, and I've highlighted this a couple of times, the, the counties, because the truth is they have been very reluctant to do any kind of meaningful change. And i have seen this time and time again i mean i've had in 2016 when we had a big presidential preference debacle here in maricopa county i dragged in the counties dragged in the secretary of state uh made them answer questions they um are very reluctant to work with the legislature i've also been very successful countering outrageous accusations in the media that you're like a racist and you want to do vote suppression And I've also been very successful at convincing in a real way and in a respectful way, my colleagues to support uh, many of the changes that have ultimately gone through the legislature. This stuff is not easy. You know, um, saying it is one thing, doing it um, successfully is is another. And there's no one that comes close uh, to my, to my record. And so that has prepared me. So when I, when I met, at the Secretary of State's office, I'm going to know exactly what the media is going to say, what I can anticipate from the left, I can anticipate from the legislature, and that will help me navigate. Uh, and I would also like to add, there are many other provisions that the Secretary of State is responsible for. Um, they're not as glamorous and as well-known as the elections Um a uh, responsibility but equally as important and I also have a lot of experience in those categories uh as well.
1: So Michelle we're down to the last few moments uh Sure. If you're successful at winning the August primary, you're going to likely face Adrian Fontes who is attached at the hip to Katie Hobbs and is responsible for the 2020 election process abuses. The left is going to pour millions in to elect him and Take down in Arizona. Why are you the best candidate to defeat him?
4: Well, I'm the only one that has uh, defeated again the Democrats, and, and that's a really important point here. I mean, look, the last ten years Republicans have hemorrhaged, and why is that? We have two Democrats in the United States Senate. We are we have slim majorities in the House. Um, our congressional delegation is now majority Democrat, and so it, it does matter the caliber and quality of your Republican candidate. I don't advance these election integrity changes, you know, because the cease part, it's because I can overcome objections and I know how to handle it and beat Democrats. And I have done that over and over and over again. I've had to defend this stuff in court when they dragged me into court. Most of my stuff survives, actually all of it has survived legal challenges, and they've all tried. The Democrats are very litigious, so you do need to know what you're doing, and I'm the one that is most positioned, best positioned to beat the Democrats, because I have over and over and over again. And you know that makes them frustrated, right? Because they throw a bunch of stuff on a wall, but it doesn't stick when it comes to me. I'm sophisticated, and I do care about delivering results. And that's ultimately what we need. We can't just continue to have, like, empty rhetoric. You've got to have the needle move. You have to be able to deliver to the people what they deserve which are elections that people believe in and bring back election integrity
0: michelle sadly uh the radio station we broadcast from um, makes me pay for this air, uh, so I have to pay for. I have what to the pay hell is that, that all about? With, yeah. with commercials, uh, but tell us before we let you go, and, and we want you back because there's plenty of stuff to talk about. You know, about the Maricopa County audit and and, yes. you know, and states paying for for presidential preference elections and so on. The the uh, mask mandate that got lifted that they want to put oh, back in place. Yeah. Um, but how do people find out about you and help you?
4: Great. Elect Michelle, electmichelle.com. I have a winning record. It's two L's You'll see everything on there. It's two L's. So it's elect and then Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E dot com. Real simple. It's all there. You can contact me too. Um, I answer everything that I get in. So feel free to shoot me a question. Um, but this is something that I am very passionate about and I'm excited to deliver to Arizonans what they have deserved for many, many years election confidence and elections they can believe in. We have to have it. No questions. This 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 is the paramount issue here in Arizona.
0: Michelle Eugenti Rita, thanks for being on our show today. Come back soon. Don't be a stranger. Eb and I are committed to allow you to meet as many candidates in the 2022 election as possible. Keep listening here. If we don't we never play favorites and we want you to make a decision as an informed voter. You're listening to Inside Tracks. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Andy Gould. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing, metal plate and roofing materials, as well as new and used steel, aluminum, and stainless steel to ranchers, artists, Interior designers, roofers, and do-it-yourselfers, just like all the listeners here. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail is open Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon. Tucson Iron and Steel Retail, 701 East 36th Street. Call 520-209-1576 or go to tucsonironretail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices.
3: Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science.
0: You mean you don't use a shoe?
3: (sighs) No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets.
2: Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com.
1: This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management reminding you that every good and excellent thing stands moment by moment on the razor's edge of danger and must be fought for, including getting out of debt, building your wealth, and protecting your God-given right. We manage money for gun owners. Let us help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me at 777-1911 or WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com Welcome back to Inside Track. Before we welcome back GOP candidate for Arizona Attorney General Andrew Gould, let me remind all of our listeners, if you have a question or comment for our guest, please call in to the Tucson Iron and Steel Surplus Live line at 790-2040. Hey, we are very pleased to welcome back to the show former Arizona Supreme Court Justice Andrew Gould. Thank you for joining us, sir.
2: Uh, it's great to be on, Bruce. Uh, thank you.
1: Hey, that was uh, there, but... that, but... Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. No worries. Uh, the camera's not working in the studio right now. Hey, uh, we're, uh, we're going to get right. right into it. It's been said sure. many times that uh... the current a g has been more of an observer than an advocate for the election integrity and i don't expect you to defend or object on how mark Burnovich has handled the issues surrounding the election integrity but if you do succeed in the primary and eventually become the state a g what specifically can you do and will you do to protect our election process
2: One of the things I'm going to do in that office is create an election integrity unit, um, the likes of which we haven't seen in this state or in the country. The the problem, the most fundamental problem is the the Democrats have these enormous legal teams, and they're well-resourced, and they're very skilled in election law. And every election cycle, they descend upon this state. Some of them are in this state. And they're constantly trying to change our election laws. They did it in 2020 at a pace that we've never seen before. Unfortunately, the Republican bench of election attorneys is very thin. And there are reasons for that that I could go into. But
0: they want to make more the, money.
2: They want doing to make more money. Doing and, something uh, else. And, uh, you know, I mean, large law firms... Uh, typically do not defend uh, Republican causes. Not always, but it's, it's it's a fact. So to balance out these massive legal teams, we need a unit in the AG's office that can level the playing field. Right now they have one attorney and one investigator that does their election integrity cases. How can one attorney and one investigator handle legal teams from the biggest law firms in the country, Go statewide and handle reports of fraud and irregularity. So, the first thing I'm going to do is create the Selection Integrity Unit. If I get additional funding for it, great. If not, there are 425 attorneys in that office and I'll simply reassign them. There can't be a higher priority than that.
1: That's great. A hey, uh, recent, uh, recent federal court ruling regarding transportation uh, mask mandates. Uh, after Judge Mazzelli ruled to end the travel mask mandate, the DOJ filed an appeal. Um, it seems to Bruce and I that the Biden reaction was meant to appease the far left mask crazies who are then afraid of uh, alienating uh, them from him and perhaps just going through the motion of fighting the judgment. Uh, you know, m- my view is. They're going through the motion. I don't know that they really want to do it because they'll probably get a judgment not in their favor at the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. Your take.
2: Uh, I think you're right. Um, I read uh, the district court judge's ruling in Florida. It was excellent. She's right on the law. She's right on the facts. Um, There's been no delegation to the executive branch to enact a mask mandate, just like there was no congressional mandate for the vaccine mandates. Um, So... She she was correct on that. Uh, it seemed as if the Biden administration and some of the statements from Joe Biden, for whatever weight you can put on those, uh, uh, seemed a little bit reluctant, but then were pressed into doing this. Um, I just, uh, the 11th Circuit is a very uh, good circuit, a conservative circuit. Uh,
0: they're going to lose. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> um uh, I would. I, would you be, if you were Attorney General, would you be inclined to file an amicus brief or somehow uh, show support and solidarity uh, with uh, uh, a rejection of that uh, appeal?
2: Absolutely. And if uh, I could uh, intervene as a party, I would. Um, you know, it's the max. Those uh, mass mandates affect uh, Arizonans too. So you have to be proactive. This is the kind of thing that is the role of the Attorney General. Everybody talks about federal overreach. Uh, this, is, this is a clear case of it. We have a growing body of precedent that you can rely on to, to strike down this kind of mandate. So you have something that's directly affecting people. It's affecting their choices uh, about their personal health care decisions. It's affecting employers and their personnel decisions and it's being done with no authority that's where an ag steps in hmm.
1: let me ask you about that let's expand a little bit so here we are in tucson i i typically do not take the bus or the shuttle or the the streetcar name perspire Um <laughs> but the uh... if if pima county or if the city of tucson wanted to re-implement a mask mandate now uh... Do I have standing to say no, or are we just required to comply?
2: You, you have standing to say no, but um, your attorney general has an even better uh, legal standing. Uh, I think we've all heard about the ARS uh, 1487 cases. I sat on a case on the Arizona Supreme Court where we struck down one of Tucson's uh, ordinances regarding destroying guns, yep. um, which is preempted under state law and uh, violates the Second Amendment, uh, of course. So if Tucson passed that mandate, you could simply report that to my office. I have the authority as the AG to go in and file a special action in front of the Arizona Supreme Court. It's a fast track. It happens quick. And if I can show that that ordinance, which I would, uh, violates state law and the state constitution as well as the federal constitution, uh, I, I can have all of... Tucson's state shared revenue takeaway—it is literally the death penalty for a city or a municipality. Um, so, it's a great procedure. I know cities and towns don't like it, but when you get these outlier and sort of maverick uh, municipal entities that start passing ordinances like what you just mentioned, uh, there's a specific statute for the AG to go in and stop it.
0: So, as as Attorney General, you would exercise that.
2: Absolutely. Okay. I, that, that would happen so fast, uh, you know, and I would get a stay on the, uh, the
0: implementation
2: of that ordinance so that you'd never have to put a mask on and then we get it overturned. They'd either have to overturn it, uh, or vacate the ordinance or, or suffer the consequences, financial consequences, which would be devastating.
0: Judge Gould, Cities, Judge Gould,
2: can't do whatever they want.
0: Judge Gould, let me. I, we're we're, we're going to run short on time. If we if we spend any more time on on mask mandates, I like your answer. I think all of our listeners like your answer. You've announced your border trespassing zone plan. Please discuss your idea, sir.
2: I will, um, and thank you. Uh, and and for those who want to look at it in more detail, you can go on my website. It is gould4ag.com. It's all spelled out. I wrote it, I've spelled it out, it's very simple. We need to use state law, we need to use state police powers to impose border security. The federal government is not helping. Frankly, they've really not been much help for years and years now, but the situation now is a disaster, it's an open border. So what we can do as a state is we can uh, impose or, and enforce our state trespass, criminal damage, Disorderly conduct laws, whenever cartels and caravans step on state or private land, they can be arrested and prosecuted initially for trespass. The guns, the drugs, the money they have can be seized, search incident to arrest. The individuals can then be prosecuted. The evidence that we seize can then be used to build investigations to prosecute cartels. The children that they are carrying with them, and they do, little boys and girls, to be sex trafficked. We can liberate them and restore them to their parents. And so we can prosecute on the front end for the the trespass crimes, the property crimes, the criminal damage. And on the back end, we can cut off the head of the snake by prosecuting the cartels. It's a simple plan, but it's simply using state law, state law enforcement, state prosecutors to create a no trespassing zone that is enforced against the cartels, and these caravans that are that are walking through our state.
1: So, Andy, you know, on the very surface, uh, this is just me being a little simplistic and naive. Uh, putting up a no trespass sign is kind of like putting up a no gun sign. It only it only uh, affects those who follow the law. But thinking about it, it sounds as though by you doing this, once they trespass, now that gives the border patrol law enforcement. Uh, All our peacekeepers uh, standing to go ahead and arrest those individuals, and go from there. Is that correct? And then once once they're arrested, then they build the case from there. But so why? But why do we have to have a no trespass sign to to do that? Right.
2: The 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 signs are simply to provide the notice. If you're going to prosecute, if you're going to arrest and prosecute for criminal trespass. It's ARS thirteen fifteen oh two. I think. You have to provide reasonable notice.
0: Civil it's the same thing staff, you see at every shopping... Morning. It's the same thing you see at any yes. shopping center or office building uh, for notice to, to trespassers. It, it, that right. would be, that'd so, be the, the statute that you'd use, I guess.
2: Exactly. So all that does is then allow law enforcement to rest. The key isn't the sign. The key is the presence of law enforcement at those corridors, pinch points, pathways, roadways where the cartels enter in the state and private land. Our local law enforcement, sheriffs, police know where those pinch points are, and they can monitor those. And they're doing this at a smaller scale in Yuma and Cochise County with hidden cameras and drones. And so they can monitor. They let the cartels come to them through these corridors that they travel and they transport all their illegal criminal activity and we arrest them. The sign simply allows the notice to trigger the trespass law, but it's the patrolling and it's the cameras and it's the drones and other intelligence where we stage at those points to arrest. Just putting up the sign doesn't do anything. You've got to have the law enforcement there that are patrolling it.
1: Yeah, but putting up the sign is what gives you the ability to arrest. So, Absolutely. Uh, okay, so with that being said, uh, how much pushback do you expect to get from the liberals on this? Well, and by the way, Charles Heller will beat me for calling them liberals, the progressives. <laughs> Leftists. Uh,
2: you, you, you will. Um, one of the arguments that they're going to try to make is, well, you're trying to in, enforce uh, federal immigration laws, and only the federal government can do that. We saw that with Senate Bill 1070. They will lose because this is the police power of the state it's to a enforce state criminal laws. Yep. State power. State power. And it's protecting the safety and the property of the citizens of this state. Anybody who walks on your property, anybody who cuts fences and throws garbage on your property gets prosecuted in this state. There's no reason why we should make an exception for somebody coming in from Mexico who has no legal status in this country. So it's just taking that state power and focusing it and enforcing those laws in a no trespassing zone. So they will lose on that. It's not preempted by the federal government. It's a state power.
0: Texas Governor Rick Abbott has started uh, building a wall to help seal unprotected portions of the Texas border with Mexico. Under what conditions would you oppose finishing the border fence in Arizona if initiated by a governor? Is there any way Uh, that you would oppose that?
2: I I wouldn't oppose it. Um, What I would say is portions of of, uh, a state wall and certain areas on state land or with, you know, uh, consent of the landowner on private land, you can do that. What you cannot do is a state cannot go down to the international border and finish Donald Trump's fence. That's federal land. So we're going to have to be smarter. If we want to build fencing portions in the state, there may be particular areas in my no trespassing zone that the local sheriff can't patrol as well. So you might want to put up a fence there, but you have to be careful with the fencing because if we try to put up our own fence, the fence itself will cost billions of dollars. Condemning private property will cost billions of dollars. And then the patrol offense, if we're going to take that over, is going to cost billions of dollars. We don't have the money to do that, but with a no trespassing zone, we can focus on the pinch points where they're coming through, maybe put up portions of fences to help drive the traffic into those pinch points and do it much more cheaply and much more effectively.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you got back to to the state portion of it. We have a caller, uh, Judge Gould, uh, who wants to talk with you. Uh, caller, I'm not sure who you are, but go ahead if you have a question for Judge Gould.
2: Thank you. It sounds to me like you're putting a lot of costly responsibility on the state, especially on the border states, going to federal government. Uh, use Article Four in the Constitution and declare an invasion and block the border. Well, the problem with the Article Four, Section Four, and the Article One, Section Ten, uh, invasion declaration is that allows a governor to put to call out the National Guard and to repel the invasion. So here's how it's going to play out: if you invoke that, a governor signs an executive order, sends the National Guard down to the border and is now going to try to start enforcing immigration laws. This has happened over and over again. Joe Biden will federalize the National Guard in a minute and say, you now work for the federal government. So this idea of this invasion clause, it simply will not work. They're going to federalize those troops. Joe Biden is not going to let the National Guard go down and enforce those immigration laws. That's a federal authority. He'll do it every time. In terms of costs, I would say two things to you. First, if you set up a zero-tolerance, no-trespassing zone, it's like the broken windows policy that Rudy Giuliani had in New York City. There will be initial surge, but the cartels will not continue to send their guns and drugs and money and all the things that they're transporting to the state when it's seized every time. So the siege or the, the surge will subside. The second thing I can tell you is this. The legislature has set aside $250 million to build a state border wall. You couldn't build five miles of a state border wall with that. But if you take that money and you put it into grants for extra sheriff's deputies, for additional cameras and drones and signs, if you get some agreements where you have empty space in jails around the state, you can use that money. So every solution I hear is always trying to take over what the federal government isn't doing on the border with using the National Guard, trying to deport illegal aliens. We can't do that. We need a new idea. This is a cheaper way to do it and a more effective way to do it. There will be costs, of course, with it, but it won't be billions and billions of dollars like some of these other ideas. And the last thing I'll say about it is this. We are paying tax dollars to the federal government right now to secure that border, and we have been for 30 or 40 years. We have gotten virtually nothing for it. If we, as a state, are committed to protecting our citizens and their businesses and their property, then we will put some money towards this. It's the right thing to do.
1: Andy, one, one uh, final Eb question. Here. We've got we've, we've got three minutes left. Lawlessness in the streets is at an all-time high, even in Arizona, and it seems that uh, most of this death by illegal use of firearms is from violent criminals who acquire the guns by theft or other illegal means. You just had New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy propose registration for all ammunition purchases in his state, as well as other regulations. Your opinion as to how this would abridge the right to possess firearms?
2: Well, it does indirectly what you can't do directly. So all these limitations on purchasing ammunition or uh, lead ammunition, all these things—they're just different ways uh, of of trying to abridge the Second Amendment. Look, the Second Amendment is an express amendment. It is the right of self-defense. It's not the right to go hunting. It's the right to have a weapon to defend yourself and your property. It makes no difference if you are trying to limit the right to purchase a handgun or the ammunition that goes in that handgun. And watch California, because there's, that's where all the challenges to the Second Amendment start, and they have a whole new host of them. Yep. The latest thing now is trying to publish information about people who have purchased handguns, essentially doxing people. Uh, so we're going to have to fight that as well. But it's it's important for an attorney general to understand the 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 key nature of the Second Amendment, fundamental enumerated right in the Constitution.
1: Hey, Judge Gould, we've run out of time for today. Give us your website again.
2: You bet. It is gouldforag.com. It's all spelled out, G-O-U-L-D-F-O-R-A-G.com. I'm posting policy position statements on there uh, almost every day. I invite you to look at the no trespassing policy that I wrote and uh, my plans for election integrity, and uh, thank you for having me on
1: today. You're more than welcome. Hey, thanks for appearing on Inside Track today. Best of luck to you. Don't be a stranger as your campaign moves forward. Insiders. Thank uh, you.
0: Bruce and I, or Eb and I. <laughs>
1: yeah, hey, we hope you enjoyed the show today with Michelle Eugenti-Rita and Judge Andrew Gould. Our show is podcast both on KVY website and on Apple Podcasts. Close to 125 episodes are now on uh, Apple Podcasts. Until next week. And we have another great show for you planned, including Mike Gonzalez on BLM abuses. For Inside Track, this is Eb Wilkinson. And Bruce Ash. Thanks for listening today, and we'll see you again in 167 hours.
0: Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. A lot of the, the cities and the counties around have initiatives for artists. I think we're one of the premier artist suppliers for steel. First Saturday of every month, you can come down early and actually go through the scrap yard across the street. It's seven acres of metal. You can walk through with our people and pick out what you want it's always interesting to see what the artists have done we've done uh, actually a couple projects with the U of A engineering department and music department where the engineering music students came down together they had to pick something out of the scrap and uh, they had to build an instrument and we have one of those in front of the plant some really cool things come out of the scrap Tucson iron and metal surplus call 209-1579 stop by the yard 701 East 36th Street, open Monday through Saturday.
1: This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you think what's happening in Ukraine can't happen here, think again, look who's occupying the White House. This is one of many things our forefathers predicted and ensured those rights in our constitution. We manage money for gun owners. Call me at 777-1911.